eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Kim Grenolds of dogman.com with Chris Fatters. Day three, Husky football fall camp 2021 is in the book. First day fans were... Uh, able to come into the stadium, temperature probably in the low 60s, actually pretty pleasant day for football. You couldn't ask for a better day for football if you're a football player, but uh, buckle up. We're supposed to have a heat wave here coming in uh, a few days. We're going to be in the 90s again and maybe even approaching 100 by the end of the week. So uh, guys will definitely get their training in. But again, you know, day three, uh, still a lot of work on installations. I'd say half the football, half the practice is spent on installation and fundamentals. And then, um, you know, they did some seven on sevens and uh, shoulder pads are on today. So a little bit more popping than we've had in the first couple of days. But uh, fans back in the stands, not a big crowd by any means, but it was good to have fans back in the stands, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the word just hasn't gotten out or, or what have you, but I'd say what, probably a couple hundred, two or three hundred fans probably not a lot yeah but um i'd say if you want to look at it from an offensive standpoint probably a good thing that not a lot of fans showed up there was uh it was a lot more mixed bag but yeah generally speaking it was the same thing that they've been doing the first day uh first two days of camp where you know you get a lot of installation you got a lot of individual drills they'll mix in some team periods they'll have the final team period so you saw a lot of the same type of things that they're really honing in on, which is the first few days are always about fundamentals, techniques, all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, to my eye, uh, offense, again, continues to struggle. I still see some really good things out of the running backs. But when you talk about the quarterbacks trying to get the ball downfield, really having a difficult time, I think. You were talking, you know, some of the guys in the media were talking in the media room before the coaches and players came in about when was it, a first a couple a couple years ago where they just couldn't get anything at all going offensively in the first week or two weeks of camp? I mean, yeah. it was just... It, it's common. I mean, it's not a, it's not something that Washington fans have to look at and go, wow, this is going to, this is, you know, this is like foreshadowing or this is a, um, you know, something where all of a sudden this is this is going to be the way it is. This is pretty typical. Defense usually almost always has the upper hand the first few days of camp. But that that being said, there was really only one big splash play today. And outside of that, um, you could tell that the quarterbacks were struggling getting the ball down the field. They were completing passes, but they were passes to the backs. They were passes to the tight ends. And we've seen a lot of that dump-off type stuff. I think what fans want to see is let's see what they can do in the intermediate and deep routes and that just was not happening today. Well, you know, and you 
have to ask yourself too and put things in proper context because I was asking Ed Ulufosio after practice about Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon and he goes, dude, he goes, that just makes it easier for, I can concentrate on my job because those two are so good. So how much of this is having to do with, you got two really, really good corners back there. Well, there's no question. You've got two guys that are capable of winning awards, postseason awards, easy. The other thing that it does too, Kim, and I talked to you a little bit about this in the last couple of days, it allows Bob Gregory the luxury of having that extra defensive lineman in the box when you want. Because typically when they've gone into that nickel base, having that nickel can give them some versatility out in spaces, whether that's you know in the middle of the field or whether that's deep or out wide. You've got some defensive backs that have the speed and like the cover. Well, when you bring another big body into the box like that, you're basically saying – your corners are going to have to play out on an island. They're going to have to play by themselves, and you're going to have to rely on that. And bottom line is that's what we saw when, when Jimmy Lake and Pete Kwiatkowski and those guys started instituting that nickel base when you had guys like Sidney Jones, guys like Kevin King, guys like Byron Murphy who could play out in an island and you wouldn't have to worry about them. You could yeah. trust them completely. So that goes hand-in-hand hand with what uh, Ulofocio was saying. Well, not only that, I mean, not only those corners, but then you've got guys like, you know, Bookie down, you know, playing down in the slot. And yep. then, you know, uh, Dominique Hampton at safety and the guy who's really stepped up, who's I think just maybe had one of the best three days since he's been here is Julius Irvin because yep. he's finally healthy. He is finally healthy. And you saw you saw rotations in the final team period where Cameron Williams and Asa Turner were playing a lot together. You also got a chance to see Turner playing also with, with Julius Irvin, with Dominique Campton. Um, you know, there's some movement there for sure in, in terms of uh, what's going on. Alex Cook, I don't know if he's still dealing with some things physically or not, but it, it, it feels like he's not. he didn't play as much with those first and second rotations as he had the first two days. So I don't know if that just means other guys are moving up, like a, like an Asa Turner coming back to what we expected. Um, well, it could be too, because I know they like to run certain guys in certain situations, run different packages for certain situations, and a lot of the time it's that you know it's just. You know, you're, you're going to see different guys start the game at wide receiver depending on the package they put in. You could see different guys playing at safety or corner or nickel depending on the package that they do put it's po- in. It's possible, but the, but the four safeties that were really splitting a lot of time at the end were Asa Turner, Cameron Williams, um, and then you had uh, Julius Irvin and Dominic Campton. Whereas, and then Bookie Radley Hiles, Bookie would, could come back to as well, but playing a little bit closer to line of scrimmage, Cameron Fabicolani also right there as well. Um, I think I saw Becky Pay do a little bit in terms of the nickel spot as well today. I also saw Mikel Esteen doing a bunch of stuff at corner today, which I thought was interesting because had really been mostly seeing a lot of him at safety, but um, seeing him at corner obviously shows his versatility. When you take a look at those safeties that you mentioned, right? I mean, they're going to have two safeties on the field most of the time. Are there two guys that are obviously the starters? I think there's one. No, no. I think there's one. Well, Cameron Williams has shown himself out to be a really – He's obviously been very, very productive. He had two picks of Dylan Morris today, both overthrows. And, you know, he's been very, very productive. I mean, he just keeps showing up time and time again on the sheet. Now, if you want to talk about a Dominic, if you want to talk about a Dominic Hampton or Julius Irvin or an Asa Turner, I think all three of those guys could make very good pushes and pitches to whether or not they should be that other guy. But right now, I think Cameron Williams is, is the one guy that, if if I would have to pick a starting defensive uh, defensive unit 
for the for the number ones for Montana, he he'd be one of my safeties for sure. And I think Dominic Hampton is the other guy, other one. And the reason I say that is because he is um, he's he's just a bigger. Him and Asa Turner are those two big safeties, and I think that uh, Dominic Hampton is the more physical one. You know, you don't want to compare him to Cam Chancellor, but he's that type of a guy with how big and physical he is. Yep. No, there's no doubt about it, and so you just have to you just have to you know trust that everything else is going the way you need it to, and that they continue to improve and keep developing, and just go you know keep doing what you're doing because like I said, first three these first three days it's been a very much a kind of a, a, a cookie cutter type of practice. You know, you get your individual periods in, you mix in some team periods. Some of them are seven on seven. You know, they mixed in some pass pro stuff today, which I thought was really good. But you're, you're seeing a lot of the same type of stuff, and they're just adding little things as they go along. Defensively, I saw a pursuit drill today, which we hadn't seen the first two days, which is a great – I love watching that drill because basically it shows the team unit and how you've you got to sprint to the ball, and it really shows kind of the want to on defense. And I thought – but I just thought overall the defense just had a much better day today. Yeah, just – Real unofficial, you know, just trying to keep track of the quarterback stats today just to, uh, you know, without the yardage. I had Dylan Morris 13 to 15 with two picks, and they both looked like they were overthrown. If we went back and looked at the film, we'd be able to see if the receivers had anything to do with that or not, but they were definitely overthrown. Um, Patrick O'Brien actually looked pretty good today. Um, He uh, he was, um, what have we got here? So I think you said 10 of 15? 12 of 16, okay. actually. 12 of 16 with one interception, and that, again, was another overthrow. Um, Sam Hewitt, I wouldn't say Sam struggled today. I'd say the guys he was throwing the ball to struggled. He was uh, 7 of 13. He had four drops, but keep in mind, all four of those drops were by the walk-ons. He wasn't throwing to Romu Dunsey and Jalen McMillan and Kate Otten and those. He was throwing to the... Um, those guys, but I thought Sam looked fine too. I don't think it was a good day for any of the quarterbacks. If if I had to say who had the best day of the quarterbacks, it would. Dylan started off a little shaky, and then he came along and had a good day. And then I thought Patrick O'Brien showed some really nice stuff too. But yeah, some of the stuff like Dylan. I mean, it's a little misleading in the sense that almost all of those catches were to the tight ends and running backs. Yeah. And and it's just relying on the flats and taking what's given, but that tells you not only is the defense showing up and having a really strong day, but the, the guys down the field just are not getting separation. They're not really doing what they need to do in their routes to get open. Jalen Polk had the play of the day, uh, catching a 42-yard bomb from Patrick O'Brien in double coverage. It was a phenomenal play. The play of, of the camp, as far as I'm concerned right now at this point, it was a really, really good play. But those plays are literally so far and few between. It feel, they feel like a needle in a haystack at this point. And Sam had a great play again, you know, threading the needle, you know, dropping it into um, uh, Taj Davis, I believe it was. Well, I saw one where he got one to Jalen McMillan, and it was double covered. It was almost triple covered. I think Jackson Sermon was on the front end of it, and then there was a couple of DBs behind him. Um, that probably isn't a pass that gets completed in a real game. Because he now he may hold on to it. I'll give I'll give Jalen McMillan credit. He held on to it. It was a good play. But if those guys were able to hit him like they normally would hit him, I, I don't know if that pla- if that pass gets completed. You know, sometimes you get players and you know you just look out there and you gravitate towards a player because he's just doing something a little bit different than everybody else. And when I'm looking out there on the field, there's one player that every time he touches the ball, 
I'm just fascinated because of the way he looks. And that's Richard Newton. Richard Newton's great. He's had a great camp so far. I'd say all the running back scholarship guys have had a really, really good camp so far. The guy that flashed to me today was Caleb Berry. Uh, Caleb Berry got some opportunities to run with the ball, and I thought he he had a couple really nice runs in the team period before the final team period. I think it was um, it was just a situation where he, he found some spaces off the left side and just really took advantage, showed his his really his quick feet and his burst. So I thought he did a really really nice job. Like I said, this was the first time we got to see some pass protection um, periods between the the linebackers and the running backs, and I thought all the experienced running backs we're talking. You know, Kamari Pleasant, Sean McGrew, Richard Newton, all three of those guys showed why, as veterans, they should be the ones that get the carries and be on the field because they can protect the quarterback. The other guys, you know, whether you're talking about a Cameron Davis, JV on Sunday, uh, okay. Caleb Berry, or Sam Adams, much more mixed in the sense that they might get abused on one play, but then they would come back and they'd handle their business. That's all part of the process of learning on the job of what you're supposed to be doing. You know, they may try something, and then all of a sudden Coach Bonifat takes them off the side a little bit, shows them what to do, and then they come back the next rep, and they handle it. That's just part and parcel of what they're doing right now and kind of what they're going through. But those types of periods with pass protection, those types of things, Kim, those are the things that tell you why those particular running backs get the time on the field that they do because they do everything well. They may not necessarily be the hot hand, maybe running the ball. One of the younger guys might be having a better day running the ball. But if they put their quarterback in a position where he's going to get sacked or hurt, you just you can't have that. And so that's why usually the veterans are the guys that step up and, and make those plays. Yeah, I just think we're seeing the start of something that could be real special in Richard Newton. We'll see. Jimmy, Jimmy, well, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy's, he talked about it. Yeah, he talked about it and just how different it is. And, you know, when Jimmy lights up like that, you know, talking about somebody and then what I see in him and just the lightness and the footwork of him. And he's not a small guy either, but uh, he just he's just kind of built like a well, thoroughbred. We've seen the various aspects of his game, Kim, over, yeah. over the last couple of years. We obviously saw the power part two years ago when he scored, what, 10, 11 touchdowns. He was the short yardage guy. He was the goal line guy. He was the guy that you could count on if he needed to get the ball in the end zone on third and short or whatever in the goal line. We saw last year, he obviously had the long run against Arizona for a touchdown. It was like 54 yards, I think, something like that. And so you saw him burst and get into the second level and make people miss, which was not necessarily a feature that we saw back in 2019. Now we're starting to see that whole pie get put together. We saw the bits and pieces. We've seen him excel at various points. But now, like Jimmy says, he's gotten his business together off the field. He's it finally kind of the things clicked have clicked for him. And that's why I do expect him to have a big, big year. And also I would say too, in a lot of these team periods, the, the number one and two guys that they wanted to see were Richard Newton and Cameron Davis. Yeah. You know, would they want to see those guys perform? I think they feel like they know what they have in Newton and McGrew or not Newton and McGrew, but McGrew and Kamari Pleasant. They know what they have in those guys and they're very solid, very dependable. They can, they can produce for those guys. It's it's pleasant, and then what they see with Richard Newton is it is it is it something where is it a flash in the pan, or is he fully back? And I think we see time and time again now Richard Newton is fully back. 
I like, you know, just his feet seem much quicker. You equate it to, you know, the sewing machine and his feet just seem a lot quicker. But the other thing that is really standing out to me is his burst. I mean, he's going through the line at one speed trying to find that hole. But, man, it's like he downshifts and accelerates. And, you know, maybe not as, you know, not every time he's accelerating for speed, but accelerating for power, too. And that's why when things start, pads start popping, I'm really excited to see that. And like I said, two years ago, we saw the power element last year we saw him get to the next level and flash a little speed it's right now is when we're starting to see it all kind of come together well come together you know with that offensive line that they have especially over on that left side you know with mj Ale and um jackson kirkland sure and again they played the four games last year together now they've had a whole spring under their belts they're learning on the field and in the rooms as opposed to zoom jimmy lake talked about that being the biggest thing you know you yeah, and Dylan Morris even mentioned it yesterday. You, you talk about trying to learn an entire new offense, and you're doing it via computer where maybe someone's connection isn't as strong as others, and so you're only catching maybe 99% of it, but there's a key element you might have missed. It's that interaction where you're all in the room together, and you're seeing it, and you're putting it together, and then you're going out in the field, and you're executing it. They've had a full spring of that now, and now they've had three days of it this fall, it's 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 monumental. It's night and day difference between what they're doing now as opposed to what they had to do last year trying to put that offense together. And I think when you look at it starting with the offensive line, also having Victor Kern back at right tackle, fully healthy, ready to go, is a huge a huge boon for them too. So right now on on that part of it, the offense is doing just fine and they're on track. It's just on the passing element where it's it's really slow going for them. When you get over to the other side of the ball, quite a bit of the post game talk, you know, with Eddie and Ryan Bowman and Bob Gregory, it was about. And I, I keep on butchering his name. Is Qua Qua Pehopa? Yeah, I'll let you say the it, freshman but. defensive lineman. In another skirmish tonight, he's got some anger issues out there in a good way. Yeah, see now this is a, this is one of those things where as the media member you get tricked up a little bit because. We've talked about how they've been able to double up their reps in their 11-on-11 session because they basically go back-to-back so they can have the ones going against the ones and the twos going against the twos. Well, right when Cameron Williams was picking off Dylan Morris with the ones on the one side, when I'm looking right at it, all of a sudden out of the corner of my left eye, I'm seeing this pig pile, and then I hear all the fans kind of going, ooh, whoa, whoa, and you see Kualpehopa, you see Jacob Bandis, right in the middle of this pile, and it's pure on the other side, so you can't really tell who else is involved because the whole team just kind of you know, made a beeline for him. But they, were, they came out of it, but it's not surprising that Pehopa's in the middle of it because he is a rough kid. He's, he, he's tough. Well, he got into it a couple times in spring ball, too. Yeah, no, he's tough, and, and you know he may be a true freshman, but he's a big kid. He can handle his business. It was pretty funny talking to Ryan Bowman afterwards when asked about that, and Ryan gets this big smile, and he goes, coaches hate that. He goes, we like it. <laughs> coaches hate it. Yeah, but it's one of those things where they're on the outside, the coaches are going to be really demonstrative and how they don't want that stuff, but inside, you know they're smiling. Because they want that. They, they need that toughness. And the thing, I talked about it yesterday. I talked about it during Saturday's podcast. When, when we had that, when, when Trent McDuffie had the pick and, and Matteo Mele basically just tackled him and then everyone came together and I thought maybe, maybe that'll, you know, spring these guys to life a little bit, bring a little bit of energy. I really thought that this would kind of spring guys to life a little bit too, but, you know, the first three days have actually been pretty, I would say, to my eye, pretty by the numbers 
in terms of guys just trying to get as much work in as they can. I'm wondering if that's going to change a little bit. Not not the amount of production, but I'm wondering if things will get a little chippier once they put the full pads on. Well, you know, and all three of the defensive players talked about that. You know, just it's been the first three days where it's just been kind of is what it is. But, you know, those pads are going to come on and they're going to start letting them pop a little bit. And he said in the next 10 days, you're going to see a lot more aggression coming out. So it's going to be interesting to, you know, I think next week, Next week, it's Sunday. I think this upcoming week is going to be interesting. And then uh, I think Thursday is a day off, and then Friday they do a scrimmage up at Popkini. Yeah, we're going to have – the media has both of those days off, so we're not exactly sure what their what their um, schedule is going to be like. I've heard that they could possibly go off-site, but nothing to confirm that yet. Yeah, and I've heard Popkini closed uh, scrimmage or closed practice right. uh, um, up on uh, Fridays. So yep. we'll see. But it's, you know, it's just – they're ramping up. They're ramping well, up. You can, you can see that things are st- slowly kind of coming together. But again, these first three days, all about getting back to the fundamentals, all about getting back to where they were at the end of spring, trying to get a lot of this stuff back in installed and ready to go. And again, you know, sometimes it takes a few days for these guys to really kind of get back up into game speed and, and, and also working their way back into game shape. You know, you have a number of kids on the sidelines that didn't get a chance to do much today, like... Uh, Davon Banks and Dyson McCutcheon and um, Quentin Moore was doing some more conditioning stuff when he wasn't doing the individual periods. Alfonso Tupatala was still out there, but he didn't do any work. Uh, Zion was out there again today, but he didn't do any work. So there's still some guys that that need to kind of ramp things up a little bit. It was good to see Devin Culp. Devin Culp was back today, first day. He, He will be a couple days behind as far as when these guys go full pads, he, he will have to be a couple days behind them uh, per the NCAA rules. But uh, it was good to see him get involved in the individual stuff, even though he didn't do any team stuff today. Well, you know, we're talking about ramping up because there hasn't been anything really physical the first two days. Nope. And what we saw today was we saw the running back drills, which was contact, you know, uh, run blocking yep. drills. Yep. And then they did a lot more one-on-ones over with the offense and defense. And that was at the opposite yeah. side of the field, so we didn't get a chance to really well, look at much I, of that. I was going to make a note of that, Kim. And the reason why I just don't pay too much attention to that stuff right now is because they'll continue to do that stuff, but when they do it when the pads are on, yeah. that's when you really will start to see where the improvements have been made on either side of the ball and who has really stepped up their individual performances. And that's why, you know, with so much of the install and the teaching and the learning that's going on the first two or three days, you may not see as much as of the uh, screaming and yelling and hype and enthusiasm and all that kind of stuff. But once they start hitting... Trust me, you know, it'll go on. It's more cerebral right now. Yeah. But I think it's going to get a lot more intense in the next couple of days. And I think that also goes kind of hat in hand with the idea that this thing's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You know, they've got to make sure that they've got something left in the tank by the end of fall camp because they're going to they're gonna have to play a few games after fall camp is done. Okay. So they can't literally spend all of their energy right now doing their things. And, and they will literally get into better football shape as they go along, as it stands to reason. So you just see guys starting to get used to it, starting to get acclimated. But I think at the same time, you get a good idea of who was already kind of ready and ready to go and who was already kind of there. You mentioned like Bookie, for instance, a guy like him. You know, that guy just, he's his, his switch is always on. I mean, Always. yeah, he's amped to a 10 yeah. all the time. Yeah, he. If anybody wanted to have kind of a reminder of what Buda Baker would be like in practice, 
Bookie Radley Hiles is about as close as I've seen to a Buda Baker style practice player. A guy who plays like he or practices like he plays. I think he plays even faster than Buddha. I, uh, yeah. Buddha is by far the best practice player I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. By far. Yeah. That's that's a high bar to set. Yeah. But I'm just saying the fact that we're that he's even in the conversation with a guy like Buddha. It makes him pretty special in that way. Yeah, you know, and just you know, trying to keep you know things in perspective. You know, this is early in camp, and you know, we're gonna, things are going to ramp up. And you know, I know some people like to hit the panic button and just overanalyze things and read too much into things. But uh, you know, let's just see what happens once pads gets on tomorrow. Pads? I don't know if it's tomorrow or, or Tuesday, but it's it is within the next day or two. Worst case. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. So, yeah. um, also just a reminder in case those don't know who don't know, Chris doesn't have to worry about this. But uh, starting at eleven fifty nine tonight, the Montlake Bridge is going to be closed for about a month. So, well, but it's a good PSA for people that take yeah. that are on that side that need to take if they're coming from the east side for any of the public practices yeah. or if they're using I five, get off get off the U district instead of five twenty. Yeah. If you're coming from the south. Um, you know, or if you're coming from the north, get off at the at the, at the Ave. Don't don't go all the way to 520 because you, you will take forever. Yeah, it's not closed just at night. Yeah, it's closed. Right, flat out closed, and I think it, it, it's close to a month. So you know, basically, what that means is everybody is going to have to come from the west side and go through where the hospital is. That's or down come 45th. from from the U Village. You come down the you come down the 45th and go around by on the the south side of U Village. So just you know, we've we've laid it out there. Hopefully, people get a chance to to be reminded of that. And please, for anyone that's listening, pass the word along, because I guarantee you, I I didn't know about it. I didn't know about it until this morning when someone posted it on the site. I was like, not thankfully, I live in Ballard. I don't have to worry about it. But for you guys that are coming from the east side or coming across the bridges, that's that's us, awful. Us east siders, exactly. Us east siders. I don't. I never said it in a derogatory way. I'm, I'm a southeast. I've lived on the east side before when I was a kid. I'm a southeast sider. Yeah, so. the worst of all worlds. There you go. I'm in the hood of the east side. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Kenny Dale is not a hood in any way, shape, or form. I'm in the. That's like uh, Luke, our intern, from, you know, from Mercer Island, but he was in the bad part, you know. So Luke, Luke Monger from the mean, <laughs> the mean streets, streets of, of Mercer, Mercer Island. Island. Yeah. <laughs> But anyways, uh, wrapping it up, Chris, anything else you need, you want to add? Anything else you need to talk no, about? No, I just thought, I just thought it, was, it, was, it was disappointing. To, I kind of was, you kind of always want to see the position groups, even if they're just small steps, baby steps. You'd like to see them kind of continue to prove before they put the pads on, and especially in a situation where who are, the, who are the units that should be progressing the most when the pads are off, when they're just in pajamas or underwear? It's the DBs and the receivers. Because when you get into seven-on-sevens or one-on-ones, you want to see those guys be able to get separation if you're receivers, and you want to see them clamp down if they're DBs. The DBs have been clamping down. That's been no problem at all. And, and the problem is even when the receivers do make a play, like Patrick O'Brien had a great ball down to Roma Dunze, who made a phenomenal catch. He's running down the field. He gets stripped by uh, Dominic Hampton. Kyler Gordon picks it up, and he probably goes the rest of the way. So even when, even when they're making good plays, they're 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 not capitalizing. They're not taking advantage of those things. So hopefully those things get turned around in film study and get cleaned up in practices and whatnot. But right now, the receivers and and, and some of the tight ends as well. I I still think Kate Otten and Jack Westover are really separating themselves 
from the rest of the group. I think guys like Mark Redman have done a nice job. Um, it's good to see Mason West come back and do some things. But without Quentin Moore really doing much so far, um, and some of the other walk-ons not really involving themselves that much in terms of being uh, able to make plays, uh, right now, Kate Otten and Jack Westover are by far, to me, heads into, and just heads above the rest of that group. And it's clear because guys like uh, guys like Mil- uh, Dylan Morris and Patrick O'Brien are leaning on them heavily. A couple of notes, you know, just from post game, you know, asking Bob Gregory about ZTF, and he was having none of that. He's not here. I focus on the guys I got here. So he's a little bit in game game week mode already. He did not want anything to do with talking about ZTF. He got, he's, is he here? Is he practicing? No. I mean, so it was kind of funny. You know, he kind of got in that kind of a mode. But he also mentioned one of the guys who's really stepped up. And I think he's just really taken that step as he should at this point in time. And Daniel Haymuli, mm-hmm. that linebacker, Daniel's had a really nice camp. So um, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on him because I think he's done some really nice stuff. I was going to say real quick, Kim. With all the inside linebacker departures, with Tupatala not available, Josh Calvert gone, and then obviously Mickey Ayu and Will Latu gone, it really has created a very clear hierarchy in terms of those inside guys. Ulafosio and Sermon are the clear number ones right now. And right now, based on what I saw, MJ Tafisi and Daniel Hamuli are they clear number twos. You've got Ben Hines, who I think has done some really nice job, uh, has done a really nice job. I, we talked about him all spring, thought he really stepped up. Him and Drew Fowler have done some really good things, but to me, they're the clear number three unit right now. I think Hamuli is really ensconced in there with, with MJ Tafisi, and that makes a nice pairing. Yeah, and you know you don't have to have two inside linebackers on the field all the time. You know, you, you've got Dominic Hampton who can step up in the box. You've got Asa Turner who can step up in the box as well. Yeah, so. they can do some things, and that also adds versatility. If Gregory all of a sudden wants to do some some red dogging, do some blitzing, do some things from different areas, we've seen that already with certain guys. Obviously, I'm not going to try to give anything away, but you know they they have that kind of position versatility and athleticism to get that done. I and I always like it when players drop, uh, you know, a couple of s bombs or whatever, you know. So thanks. Let to me guess, Ryan Bowman. Ryan Bowman. <laughs> well, I'm not supposed to do that, and then he does it again two minutes later. It's pretty funny. Hey, Ryan is Ryan is a treasure. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I trust me. I love Ryan Bowman. When he gets on the mic, he's going to say how he feels. Yeah. And that's good. It's that's funny. Good. I'm not. He's, I'm not supposed to say that. And then two minutes later, he does it again. So hey. the video staff's going to have to edit that out. It's kind of funny. It, it is what it is. Yeah, it's it's. We're talking football here. We're not playing. Yeah. This this is this ain't tennis. No, so. it is what it is. Anyways, just a reminder: we've got that promotion. If you're not a subscriber to Dogman.com, two months for a buck. Can't beat that, and uh, that'll get you at least through the first couple of games in September. You know, so two months for a buck that ends today. So. No, tomorrow night, Monday night. Does it? Monday night. Okay, Monday night. So go. I mean, if you're not a subscriber, for a buck, go ahead and do it. And then, uh, if you're looking for those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, send us a note: huskystadium at gmail.com with the subject line newsletter. We'll get you hooked up. And uh, tomorrow, all three of us will be here. Scott, the day off today. And by the way, the remote situation on my TVs is starting to get a little bit. Of clarity to it. Still not ideal, but uh, we'll see if we can get Xfinity working on that. Uh, well, I'll be on pins and needles. 
Yeah. In anticipation. Yeah. I, 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 in the text, uh, you know, just from Scott, you know, it's, you know, the three TVs all lined up. It's a bachelor's dream. Actually, it's a bachelor's reality and a married guy's dream. So the three TVs hook up. It's coming along and hopefully get that all hooked up. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.